Welcome to Nighttime Scientific Monologue, Episode 2. I'm Pavel Rizhov. Today I decided to talk a little bit about my PhD experience. And uh, that's partly because I'm preparing to make a series of YouTube videos on a number of the uh, questions uh, that um, I get asked um, when I talk to other people about my PhD work about my PhD experience and um, what are some of the things that I've learned that that are not necessarily about science but more about overall experience of doing research. So um, I think I want to start it by saying um, whether or not um, doing a PhD was the right call for me. And that's uh, obviously everybody has to decide who wants to be a life scientist is whether or not they want to commit to doing a PhD. And obviously it's a, it's a, it's a question, it's a big, big question that everybody has to answer well in advance of what they know their PhD experience would look like. Because chances are, even if you are... Um, really passionate about science you have typically very little understanding about what PhD experience is so that question whether or not I want to do a PhD was um, posed in front of me around beginning of 2015 and I've started my PhD in uh, September of 2016 so about a year and a half before I had to uh, start my PhD work. And that question, I've been wrestling with that question for a while, even before that, but I suppose this is when I committed to wanting to do that. And for me, that was just purely because of, I, of the fact that I was at the time in uh, Germany, uh, undergoing my bachelor's degree in applied biology and in Germany you have a a path to become a life science professional through doing a bachelor's a master's then a PhD you cannot go from a bachelor's into the PhD program right away and at the time I was also working uh, I was working a night job uh, as I was studying and uh, that was a very difficult um, combination to to wrestle all, all the time. I suppose I should say that I'm recording this on uh, Independence Day, so there might be occasional fireworks. But um, let me continue, because I, I, I really think it's uh, going to be an interesting episode. So, as I was saying, it was a difficult... Um, difficult time to juggle uh, the work as well as studying so the choice of um, commitment to a master's program where I would basically have to uh, work again as well as um, study was almost not a good option well it wasn't a good option because I knew in my heart that I could not really commit to doing that so the alternative to that was, um, well, it was twofold. You could either try and find some kind of job 
in Germany with a bachelor's degree or uh, pursue a PhD. And for life scientists, um, you have to remember, typically the advice that we get is if you want to be a life scientist, if you want to be a biologist by training or researcher, and the typical path that people tend to chart for you is, oh, you're going to be a professor. So that kind of logic, I mean, lo that logic aside, whether or not that's the only path or not, obviously it isn't, but that just means that people resort to doing a PhD by default because they feel like just um, stopping at a bachelor's or a master's degree is not going to give them uh, flexibility and knowledge and sort of that um, sort of enough time to master their skills and working in the laboratory, just grow into the profession, so to speak. So using that logic, um, I was pretty committed to doing a PhD. Um, and the reason why I had to commit to that so early in advance was purely because of the fact that this cycle to get a position uh, the, the time it takes to, to get a, into a PhD program is actually quite long. Um, uh, essentially, to sort of give you an idea, um, to get started in September of 2016, the application window would close in December of 2015. So my commitment to a PhD program in early 2015 meant I had about a year to figure out which places I want to apply to, which requirements I need to um, well, be uh, to to consider and to meet rather, and uh, just have a game plan. Right? I needed to figure out what is it that I need to do in terms of what kind of PhD work I wanted to do, and so on and so forth. And um, I actually don't quite recall at which point I had a clearer idea about the type of research that I wanted to be doing. Um, and um, in 2015, early 2015, I think I just had an idea that, oh, I really like proteins. That's all I really knew. And um, looking back at this, which was now almost five and a half years ago, um, I realized that, wow, how little did I know, <laughs> basically. Um, so the process of choosing a you know, PhD um, was basically, um, was very quick in terms of, oh, um, once I once I once I had a clear idea of my options, so to the life scientist students or the people who majoring in biology in their undergrad right now, I say, well, all you need is just understand your options, whether or not the the PhD is right fit for you, and there could be many reasons to why it isn't, why it shouldn't be. And um, in, um, in the videos that I'm planning to make, I'm actually going to go into the uh, 
details um, about about the process of realizing whether or not you need a PhD or not and uh, if you do want to do a PhD some of the things you need to consider before doing a PhD throughout PhD and so on and so forth I think there is a lot of um, points that I want to um, make that I think would be quite valuable to uh, people just to have a sort of an inside look if you will uh, into the world of PhD because again at the time, five years ago, I just, I just thought, yeah, I want to do a PhD. No real understanding of what that means, how it's going to look like, and who, what most importantly, who I want to be after that. Because, um, um, think about this, when you are an undergrad, and uh, again, for all of you undergrads who might be listening to this, if you can relate to that, yeah, let me know. Uh, a, a notion of getting a PhD is the sort of ultimate holy grail kind of thing that you, especially when you're in the thick of it, that's what you are trying to get to, right? So um, nothing really after that. It's not like it doesn't matter, but it's such a far reach well above and beyond of what you can really think of because getting to the PhD to the degree is such a long long and difficult road you're not really worried too much about who you want to be when you grow up at least I wasn't and uh, please don't make that mistake <laughs> uh, so um, so just um, consider the fact that yes there is life after getting a PhD and there is a whole world of various career tracks that are um, out there that may or may not require a PhD and uh, there's people that I know that would argue for a lot of the careers in life science industry that are not academic careers having a PhD gives you a huge advantage and to that I would agree with to some extent but not completely I feel um, PhD is um, very is a very subjective experience and subjective topic for a lot of people because it's such a varied experience from lab to lab from person to person from place to place so Realistically, uh, saying, oh, you definitely need a PhD doesn't really mean anything because the type of PhD experience that you may end up having, you could be much better off getting a master's and just joining the workforce right away because you may get burned out by doing research. You may realize that's not what you want to do in the first place. Or you might have such a miserable experience that is prolonged way beyond what you signed up for, more or less, that you might just really, really regret doing that. And uh, there is not a right or wrong answer about whether or not you want to do a PhD. I think scientists or, I guess, people majoring in biology are curious people by nature. So doing a PhD makes sense from that standpoint. I, that's, that's funny 
to say now to me because that's what I was uh, thinking about by and large about five years ago one of the um, uh, ideas that I had at the time about why I wanted to do a PhD besides the reasons and sort of the motivation to do a PhD was to satisfy my curiosity that's what I kept telling people all these years is the only reason I'm doing this PhD is because I'm curious well after doing the PhD I'm here to say well poof that's uh, uh, I'm done being curious well I guess when it comes to um, doing research to some extent right I, I satisfied that type of curiosity I gained other types of curiosity that I am currently exploring that are not related to doing research but that big big motivation to me with the curiosity to find out more about proteins specifically was the sole reason uh, excuse me not the reason the sole idea grand idea overarching theme of my PhD and my motivation to, to, to do it so um, I think that's a that's an important um, um, point to make uh, to establish your uh, reasons for doing a PhD, but also your motivation, because that's the that's the other side of the coin. If if you have if you have the right reasons to do a PhD, by all means you you can and should do it. But just be mindful of the fact that you need a motivation, right? You can't just have the reasons. Reasons don't can only take you so far, because in the in, experience of doing PhD for uh, for a few years you learn that um, unless you have motivation to keep going what's going to prevent you from burning out nothing really you're going to burn out if you don't have a uh, something that uh, drives you going to work on Saturday morning or Sunday night staying until 2 a.m. in the laboratory because you have that passion, you have that drive. Even a couple years into the PhD, you still want to keep going. But if you just have the reasons, oh, I need to get a PhD because that might help me to get a job. Well, that's very dry and uh, good luck, basically. I don't feel like I would have survived as long as, or as successfully as I have. Not that that was all successful in my PhD if I had not had that inherent drive and actually like from conversations that I had with multiple uh, colleagues and friends um, in my PhD program in my institute a lot of them had fairly similar motivations in the sense that there was always something inside of them that kept them going and that's the only way to overcome all the hardships and hard work that you need to do and um, experience during the PhD so the um, advice is yeah very simple is um, figure out the reasons uh, whether they're pro doing a PhD or against and if pro find out a motivation what's the one thing that's gonna keep you going um, and uh, sort of take that and go with it because um, another thing to, to it's a, it's it's something to be to be mentioned in terms of how do you prepare 
for a PhD. And this is something I'm going to do more deep dives on over over time because I think it's a fascinating uh, subject matter in and of itself. Um, what I mean by that is, say, in my experience, I, I had so many questions about, oh, what does that mean to do a PhD? Throughout my prep work, um, throughout the, the, that year and a half that I had to really uh, grind uh, uh, and learn all the stuff to take uh, GREs, for example, and prepare my motivation letters and uh, sort of narrow down on some of the uh, subject matters that I wanted to investigate potentially in my PhD, I um, realized that, well, oh, hold on, I think I might have lost the train of thought there. Oh, oh, yes. So, um, if you if you are struggling, um, man, if you're struggling with understanding what your experience would look like, and you try and find answers uh, online about how to prepare for a PhD, that's all very nice. But the problem is nothing really prepares you for it. So no matter how much I read and watched videos and try and learn as much as I can about uh, what this experience would look like, ultimately I feel like I have not done enough homework on that. Or in other words, I have not really taken some of those lessons to heart. I give you one example, and I think that's a very powerful example, especially now looking back at my experience. It has to do with failures. One of the things I've seen consistently, many, or pretty much everybody really mentioned who, who write the articles, is about failure. And I don't think it's stressed enough in those articles. Uh, because I did not believe it. And maybe that's just me being stubborn. But experiencing failures in a PhD is an expected process. Is something you deal with all the time and um, that is a very very tricky and difficult thing to wrap your head around because essentially what those people are trying to say and that's what I would sign off on is doing PhD implies constant improvement upon a certain um, procedure, experiment, whatever you're trying to do, method, development, but in doing so, you will fail many, many, many times. You will fail 90% of the time, um, 85 to 90, that's my, uh, that was my rate uh, of failures, and also it, the kind of failures that that I experienced are not equal to failures that other people do. Magnitude of the failures vary significantly. Uh, frequency might also actually vary. And um, I, I suppose saying actually like that you experience failures 85 to 90% of the time, I think it's a, maybe a bit of an unfair um, statement to some extent. I would say the majority of the stuff you do are going to be failures, but the 
more importantly for people out there who are contemplating about doing PhD, understanding the meaning behind failing in PhD, this is something that I didn't really get. That I thought, okay, failing, okay. I mean, that sounds like, you know, it sounds hard, but okay, I, I can't be failing that much because, I mean, I know what I'm doing, right? Or another side of that is, oh, you have to be patient. Oh, and I thought to myself, well, I, I mean, I'm patient. I mean, I've been living in, you know, different countries. I, you know, overcame so many different obstacles and, you know, and I had my fair share of times where I had to be very, very patient and whatever. Uh, so I thought, okay, this is, you know, how hard could it be? But it was the hardest thing that I've ever done, by and large. Nothing really that I've done before could come close. Pales in comparison. So why is that? Why do I feel that I need to stress on the fact that failing in PhD and really having a right mentality about failures in PhD is so important to understand before you even start. Because it plays tricks on you to feel desperate, to feel down, and to feel depressed as a result of these failures. Because that's very easy thing to do because you're putting that uh, blame onto yourself while in reality there is nothing to blame. There's, there's nothing to be blamed, really. Because what you're trying to do by and large in any PhD is you're trying to understand how this world works. And... Um, Consider that for a second. You're trying to understand how this world works. The way to do that, the way to understand how it works, you have to, you have to try a few different ways to measure certain events, whatever you're studying. You're trying to measure certain events in life and trying to create a way to measure them. And then you interpret the results. You're basically constraining the complexity of the natural world and natural order, the infinite complexity, into artificially designed boundaries of your experiments that you're doing. And that is where the failures come into play. These are basically your approximations of how you think the natural world works by and large so instead of experiencing the depressed the depression and anxiety and blaming yourself for the failures what instead you should be focusing on is with each successive um, you know round of experiments and sort of everything that you really do in PhD brings you ever so closer to understanding how natural order of things is in life. You're trying to recreate something that exists in this world within the constraints of your system that you're investigating. You will never be perfect. Never. It's never going to be exactly as it is in real life. 
and therefore the, that inherent degree of uncertainty is what drives the majority of the failures that you experience. They have nothing to do with you. Chances are if you got into a PhD program, you're pretty smart and you know what you're doing. And if you don't, you're gonna learn. So the point of those failures is to not make you feel crap about yourself, is to just say the way you're looking at the natural way that things are in your system is not how things are in real world. Meaning you gotta just change it. Just that's it. It doesn't mean you're wrong in terms of like, oh, I like I have like, I don't know, ass hands. I can't make this experiment work. Yeah, there could be instances of that too. But the, the point is you're just effectively trying to recreate something that already exists in the real world. You basically um, expect it to make errors because natural world had many years to make it work the way it does. Many years. Incomprehensible amount of years. In some ways, you may be trying to recapitulate a disease model of I mean, let's say, let's say cancer. That the mechan underlying mechanisms of cancer biology is something that have been around for millions of years, realistically. Millions of years and countless number of permutations and variations of all those different molecules have been sort of running in the background within our world to find out that specific way that this cancer is now going to develop. You have <laughs> four to five to six to seven years of your PhD to understand how that works. In some cases, millions of years and however many infinite number of permutations of interactions of those different um, things that you're trying to grasp and constrain to be able to explain. So failing in, at that is, is okay. Because consider the scale of what you're trying to understand. Consider the difference in time that it takes you to understand and approximate how things work in real life versus how long it actually took the real life to come up to that point where this thing exists now. So, I think this is a fascinating um, point to be made that I wish I had an understanding of when I was starting out and all throughout my PhD. That failing, something that I've struggled with throughout my PhD, is okay. I think now, looking back at it, I don't feel so bad. And, but importantly, if you understand that you will experience failures and you would know what those failures really mean underneath potential depression, blaming yourself and all that stuff, when you realize you don't need to do any of that and you understand the actual beauty of failures and what you're trying to accomplish by doing those experiments and just doing PhD in general, I think you're going to have such more profound outlook at 
your PhD experience at your PhD career and uh, the time that you're going to spend in the lab tinkering. And I think if that gives you some additional motivation to do PhD, then hey, I'm I'm would be very happy to hear your thoughts on the matter. So please um, let me know what you what you think. Uh, find me on um, well, follow me on 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 um, on YouTube. It's a forward slash youtube.com forward slash p-a-r-y-z-h-o-v for more in-depth um, interviews with biomedical industry experts some news reports i'm going to be doing more educational videos as time goes on um, also find me on facebook um, and instagram linkedin connect me with with me on linkedin LinkedIn is super critical when you're getting started in the life science industry. And uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you very much. Stay safe and good night.